1: And good morning. I'm Gary Randall. Thank you so much for joining me today. It's Monday, September the 5th, 2022, in the year of our Lord. Today is Labor Day. Happy Labor Day. Don't work too hard. Today on September 5th, 1774, the First Continental Congress assembled in Philadelphia. That was the beginning of what became the greatest nation in the history of the world, the United States of America. Following that 1774 meeting today, the Continental Congress moved forward. They declared their independence from Great Britain, from England. They later would write a constitution that I believe was providentially inspired, not inspired like the Bible, but inspired by their desire to be true to God's word and God's principles in forming the documents that would shape and guide this country. We call it our Constitution. Today in 1698, Russia's Peter the Great imposed a tax on beards. I thought you should know that. Today in 1864, voters in Louisiana approved a new state constitution abolishing slavery. Today in 1939, four days after war had broken out in Europe, President Franklin D. Roosevelt issued a proclamation declaring U.S. neutrality in the conflict. Today, in 1961, President John F. Kennedy signed legislation making aircraft hijacking a federal crime. Today, in 1975, President Gerald R. Ford he escaped an attempt on his life by Lynette Squeaky Fromm. You may remember that. She was a disciple of Charles Manson, happened on a street in Sacramento, California. Today in 1997, Mother Teresa died in Calcutta, India. She was where she spent her life. She was 87 years old. And today in 2016, Hugh O'Brien, the actor who became famous, really, as Sheriff Wyatt Earp on television. He, uh, that was. They say that was the first real adult western, not adult like that kind of adult, just adult western on uh, television. He died in Beverly Hills. He was 91 years old. For those who like to know about Wyatt Earp, I enjoy. Re- I've enjoyed reading about Wyatt Earp. I have a. Uh, he passed away now, but I had a a cousin who wrote a book, and it was pretty widely uh, circulated on the life of Wyatt Earp. He was very connected here in the Northwest, as you may or may not know. But um, uh, I've always had an interest in Wyatt Earp and some of those guys. Thanks for being with me today. It's always a pleasure. We are live, originating live today. Uh, Today is Labor Day So I decided not to labor, but I did want to do the program today. I'm going to be taking a week off next week. So we'll be running some reruns this, not this week, but next week. I'm going to take a day off and I'm going to do kind of a labor weekend instead of a labor day. And uh, I hope I don't get fired if you guys don't fire me while I'm gone. But nonetheless, uh, that's what's coming up. But thanks for being with me today. And I hope you have a a good day. And if you're taking the day off, you're not working today. Uh, enjoy interesting story out there this morning i it's uh it's talking about the senate race in a shockingly close um race and and it says wait for well the, here, here's the headline it said senate race is shockingly close in wait for it washington state the article says we've been hearing an awful lot, even uh, even from Senator Minority Leader Mitch McConnell himself, that Republicans taking back the control of the Senate isn't as likely to happen due to candidate quality. The story said it's worth noting that the forecasters still have it as a toss-up, and for Democrats only slightly favored to keep control in the chamber, and many races of tight, uh, are tight in the key uh, seats. Then it goes into Washington State. This is a national uh, story, and it says one of them, surprisingly enough, is the Washington State is in Washington State, where Senator Patty Murray, the Democratic incumbent, is just a few percentage points ahead of a Republican challenger Tiffany Smiley. This is according to a recent poll from the Trafalgar Group. Murray's lead of 2.9 percent, with her 49.2 percent support, to Smiley's 46.3. percent is exactly where the margin error is and so the poll was this poll was conducted very recently it was August 30 through September 1 and um, Murray's lead in the poll is a lot less than it was in the nonpartisan primary from August 2 and it goes on to talk about the possibilities of a Republican being elected and defeating Senator patty Murray of course the Republican would not be a Republican that would represent all of the values of the Republican party. And that's becoming seems to be becoming more and more, uh, at least it seems to me it's becoming more and more, um, often and, and frequent, but CNN, uh, smiley was on CNN yesterday. And she said, uh, Tiffany said, uh, told CNN's, Dana bash. She does a program on CNN. It's called state of the union. When asked whether she supports a measure passed by her state in 1991, that's of course the abortion thing. she declared that a woman that declared that a woman's right to receive an abortion before the fetus is deemed viable And uh, this Tiffany responded she said, I respect the voters of Washington State they long decided where they stand on the issue And Swali who is challenging Murray has previously CNN says touted her pro-life views while also asserting her opposition to a federal abortion ban. So which way is it? Abortion is one of those issues that is pretty tough to be for and against simultaneously, because it's killing a human being. And and there's just no way around the reality of that except just to lie and have a conscience that is so seared that you can accept abortion as health care, women's health care, as they now usually refer to it but her comments her comments yesterday on cnn just reminded me of how duplicitous politicians can become i'm not suggesting she's a bad person i don't i've never met her i don't know her i know about her but i do know that there is a trend in politics and it's particularly increasing now to say whatever it takes and that somehow there's a justification in our culture that if, if if the end if the end is so noble I mean if we can just get control of the Senate or the House or the state legislature or District Four or whatever if we can just get control of that then we're we're in good shape but if it takes a series of compromises and believing but not believing and standing but not standing I understand politics. I'm over 40. I've been around a while. And I've, I know I've never run for political office, but I've sure been close to it for the last many years. I've watched it because it's important. I've always felt it was important. God feels it's important. When we're given the opportunity to be involved in shaping our nation and creating our laws, God wants Christians to be involved. That's why Jesus called us salt and light and called us to be that thermometer, that healing, that restraint in the culture. So I've always been involved for those reasons, and I have an interest in it, because it matters a lot. But we've gotten to a point now where it almost seems that the people that are supposed to be standing for one thing are standing for another, or they're avoiding... And in all of that, it's just kind of a kind of a gray haze. And therein is the problem in America today, as I see it. French historian Alexis de Tocqueville, he, after spending more than a year touring America, he wrote this big book. He concluded in the book, it's about eight, nine hundred pages. I actually read that book, *Democracy in America*. He said, not until I went into the churches of America and heard her pulpits aflame with righteousness did I understand the secret of her genius and her power. America, this French historian wrote, highly esteemed French historian, he said, America is great because America is good. And if America ever ceases to be good, America will cease to be great. Earlier this year, and I talked about it on this program, I wrote about it as well on our daily article, our blog, it's published every day on Faith and Freedom, freedom faithandfreedom.us, that's our website, and it's read pretty extensively, and I'm humbled by that. But uh, I wrote about it, and we talked about it earlier this year. 37% of Christian pastors have a biblical worldview. 37%. But now we're learning, just in the last couple of days, we're learning that at least a third of senior pastors, the, the main guy, the senior, not the oldest one, but the one, the main pastor, the lead pastor, whatever you want to refer to them. But the senior pastors in the United States believe that one can earn a place in heaven by simply being a good person. And if you're an evangelical, you say, what? What are the. Are you kidding me? No, I'm not kidding, and I wish I were. Not at all. A third of senior pastors in the United States, according to a survey just out the last couple of days, finds that pastors, 37% of pastors have a biblical worldview, and now at least a third of senior pastors in the United States believe that you can earn your way to heaven by simply being a good person. I've quoted him often, but Presbyterian pastor and and educator Charles Finney, he claimed in his decay of conscience that, quote, if there is a decay of conscience in the culture, the pulpit is responsible for it. And he goes into a long list, which I'll get to in a moment, of ills in the culture that he lays not on the politicians that we're electing or not electing, although it's very important. He lays the vast majority of the responsibility at the pulpit in the church. Now, that makes us a little uncomfortable. It's easy to blame politicians for all of this mess. But when somebody stands up, particularly someone who is very well known and has a big sphere of influence, Charles Finney certainly did, and says it's the pulpit's fault. Or specifically, the person standing behind the pulpit. Every every American institution now, our societal institutions, is under assault. You name it, somebody's trying to bring it down. They're trying to erase it. They're trying to get rid of it. They've gotten through their statue craze. They've taken all the statues down they didn't like across our country. Now they're moving on. The institutions are under attack. Is the pulpit really responsible for this? Charles Finney shared Tocqueville's convictions about the power of the pulpit. Here's what he said. He was talking to a group of pastors, too, not to the public. He wasn't. It wasn't a, a preaching gathering. It was a convention of pastors. And here's what he said. Charles Finney, Presbyterian pastor. He said, brethren, our preaching will bear its legitimate fruits. What people hear, he's saying, what people hear over the pulpit is going to be reflected in the culture. Brethren, our preaching will bear its legitimate fruits. If immorality prevails in the land, <clears throat> the fault is ours to a great degree. If there is decay of conscience, the pulpit is responsible for it. If the public press lacks moral discrimination, the pulpit is responsible for it. If the church is degenerate and worldly, the pulpit is responsible for it. If the world loses interest in religion, the pulpit is responsible for it. If Satan rules in our halls of legislation, the pulpit is responsible for it. If politics becomes so corrupt that the very foundations of our government are ready to fall away, the pulpit is responsible for it. Let us not ignore this fact, my dear brethren, but let us lay it to heart and be thoroughly awake to our responsibility in respect to the morals of the nation. Apparently, a stunning number of pastors are not laying it to heart regarding the culture, nor are they awake to the decay in the culture and the decay of the conscience. Are the blind leading the blind? They are. Jesus says when the blind leads the blind, They both fall in the ditch. More than a third of senior pastors in the United States believe that one can earn a place in heaven by simply being a good person, according to the nationwide survey. Yet Jesus died on a cross to to eliminate that error. Evangelicalism is supposed to stand on the biblical truth that good works do not give us eternal life. Good works follow our conversion to Jesus Christ. Man, these findings are among several surprising responses. Even George Barna was surprised, and he's been doing this his whole adult life. He's now connected with the Arizona Christian University, and it's the Cultural Research Center. They're highly regarded and esteemed, really, their work. And Barna's been well-known for years. I quote him often on this program. There are other research firms, but he's a, one of the leading, particularly having to do with Christian issues. And he is a Christian, by the way. So you find this, and it's surprising. He was even shocked. He said, I I can hardly believe what we have discovered. The American Worldview Inventory 2022 is what it's called, and it examined more than three dozen beliefs held by pastors, about 36 beliefs held by pastors. Researchers found that in addition to believing that people can merit salvation based solely on their good works, one-third or more of senior pastors surveyed also believe the Holy Spirit is not a person, but rather a symbol of God's power. Others said that moral truth is subjective. I'm talking about pastors. Moral truth is subjective. This is not Patty Murray speaking. It's a pastor somewhere. That's amazing that a pastor can get to that point. They believe believe the Holy Spirit is not a person, but a symbol. And moral truth is subjective. These same people, pastors, believe that sexual relationships between two unmarried people who love each other is morally acceptable. And biblical teaching on abortion is ambiguous. That's what's wrong in our country today. It's not Patty Murray. It's not Lori Lightfoot in Chicago. They certainly contribute. But it's the fact that we have not been clear on the truth in America. And we have become like other failing countries on this globe because we have not been clear on the truth. And I'm nobody, but I agree with these guys that are saying this, that are no one around the world in Christian circles. I agree with them that we have a problem, and the problem has got to be placed first and foremost at the pulpit. If the pulpit is not telling the truth, who in the world is going to tell the truth? Well, there are voices that are emerging and speaking the truth. At least a third of those surveyed in this Recent survey said they believe socialism <laughs> I, I'm not kidding you. They believe socialism is preferable to capitalism. Even though Jesus taught capitalism himself. If you didn't know that, read the parable of the talents. They a, a third of the pastors said they believe that allowing property ownership facilitates economic injustice. Researchers say they could point to the increase of cultural and political influence in the church that's led them to believe this. Be not conformed to this world, but be transformed. Be transformed by the power of God. Paul told the church. Data reported earlier this year, this survey said, found 37% of Christian pastors have a biblical worldview, as I mentioned a moment ago. The latest CRC report analyzed that research across all major U.S. denominations found that a loss of biblical belief is prevalent among pastors in all denominational groupings. Current report focuses on roughly half of those beliefs, revealing that a shocking large percentage reject biblical teaching on some of the most basic Christian beliefs. That's the real problem today in America. I think as we get involved in these in a political, and believe me, we should be, no one speaks, I don't think any more fervently than I feel about being involved as a Christian. I know there's voices out there that say, well, Christians shouldn't be involved in politics. That's nonsense. I mean, it's it's. I don't even know how they get to that point, except we're kind of learning how some Christians do get to that point because of what they're hearing over the pulpit of their church. And I, I'm not being critical. I have a broken heart. I mean, this bothers me. I've spent my life preaching the gospel to whomever would listen. Sometimes it wasn't very money. Sometimes it was a whole bunch of people. But I've spent my life sharing the gospel, preaching the gospel, communicating the gospel on radio and television, in the church and wherever, in places all over the planet. Man, I mean, that's what it's about, is sharing the gospel not being conformed to the world, to where we are kind of moved over to the left, and, well, you know, we want to be inclusive, and we want a lifestyle evangelism and all, and I I know that book was, I knew the author of that book very well, but I didn't agree with it necessarily, totally, I mean, there's a part of that that's true, but, I mean, I, I hear this, even yet, that it's an old term from many years ago, but lifestyle evangelism. Well, I I understand that. We live out our faith, and that influences people. I get that. I preach sermons on that. But yet, it's almost now we live out our faith in some kind of isolation, so we don't offend anyone else, so they can live out their quote-unquote faith, and they can find that and believe that their works is going to get them to heaven, and that abortion may be okay, and and you have a right to love, marry whom you love, and because God is love. And all, I mean, that's how we get to all this. That's why our culture is so, right now, so chaotic and so unpredictable. And we have people rising. Joe Biden was saying again, he gave that speech on Thursday. I talked about it Friday. But he was, over the weekend, he's doubling down on it. Somebody said, I, do you think you were a little too strong on your speech? Oh, no, he said. He said, quote, MAGA forces are determined to take this country backwards, backwards to an America where there is no right to choose, no right to privacy, no right to contraception, no right to marry who you love. They promote authoritarian leaders, and they fan the flames of political violence. Later, Biden encouraged Americans to fight against this dark and wicked ideology. Well, the ideology isn't dark and wicked if it's pro-life, pro-marriage, pro-two genders, male and female, and marriage is between a male and a female. That isn't dark, that's light. And, of course, then it's tied not to biblical teaching, but to politics, specifically those who voted for Donald Trump, because that's who they hate the most. 70 million people, approximately, voted for Trump, and he's isolating himself over that kind of belief, claiming to be a very devout Catholic at the same time. That's kind of what's being revealed in this In this survey that came out, I hope pastors everywhere read this and pause. And again, I'm not, man, I'm not trying to be critical. I've been an ordained minister my entire adult life. I'm concerned, and it breaks my heart, because I know, and so do you, and so do most all of us, if we're honest with ourselves, Jesus is the answer. Andre Crouch saying it. Jesus is the answer for the world today. Above him, there's no other. Jesus is the way. That's true. That's the only way. And we're not going to bring about order and peace and inclusiveness. There's only one place of inclusiveness, and that's at the cross of Jesus Christ. Every color, every race, every tribe, Every tongue kneels at the cross to accept Jesus Christ as personal Savior and the Bible as the inspired word of God. And when we come to that point, we begin to see the results that these politicians are trying, or they claim to be trying, and can never achieve. They can never be more than servants of what the public calls on them to do. And the public today, apparently, is terribly confused. Because the pulpits are terribly confused. That's the problem. I mean, I wish it were otherwise, but it isn't. Among evangelical pastors, 43% of them said they do not believe that personal accumulation of wealth is provided by God for individuals to manage those resources for God's purposes. Good grief. That's socialism. Another 39% of evangelical pastors surveyed said there's no absolute moral truth and that each individual must determine their own truth. I didn't even believe that the first time I read it, but I know Barna's history. I read it again, and I thought, can this be true? That's what they found. It is true. That's what they found. Roughly the same percentage, 38%, said human life is sacred. Well, 37% said having faith in general is more important than in what, or more specifically, whom one has his faith. In other words, if you just have faith, you're good. It isn't who the faith is in. If I have faith in a tree, that's good. My faith is, is, is strong. I believe in a tree. I believe a tree brings life. I believe a tree is symbolic of life and blah, blah, blah. That's a kind of nonsense that's pouring over the pulpits of America. God, God's heart is hurt when he hears this stuff. I can tell you, I know, I know Him, and so do many of you who are listening today. To me, the most startling discovery from the survey was that three in every ten evangelical pastors do not believe that their salvation is based on having confessed their sins and accepting Jesus Christ as Savior. Wow. Taco Bell said, fixed ideas of God and human nature are indispensable to the daily practice of men's lives, but the practice of their lives prevents them from accepting such ideas. More importantly, the psalmist wrote, Psalm 33.20, Our soul waiteth for the Lord. He is our help and our shield. And later in Psalm, the Bible says, Psalm 130, verse 5, I wait for the Lord, my soul doth wait, and in his word do I hope. Our hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. Hey, thanks for being with me today, and thank you for your support. I'll see you tomorrow